Welcome to the latest episode of the Forward Thinking CFO. My guest today is Sufyan Hamid, who describes himself as a financial storytelling trainer. Sufyan was on a typical financial career path until he spotted the need for finance people to improve the way they communicate. He's pursued that path and now trains FBNA people in financial storytelling. And he's here today to share some of what he's learned so that we can all benefit from that. So welcome, Sufyan, to the Forward Thinking CFO. Well, thank you, Stephen, for welcoming me in the, in the podcast. I'm glad to be there. No, it's great to have you along. And, uh, you know, a little different from some of our guests. And uh, I hope there's some, some good things that we can learn here. So, but let, let's start with just uh, a little bit about your background and how you got in this role in your composition. Well, uh, as you said, my background is pretty classic. Uh, I started directly working for PwC as an auditor right after my studies. So the typical finance path, I then, after four years, moved on to Deloitte, working uh, in consulting. And after more or less five years, I decided to move in the industry. So working as a finance business partner for a company that was Proximus, which is a telco company in Belgium. And I worked as a finance business partner uh, there. And... This is really where I discovered uh, that as a finance professional, you have two paths. You can either decide to do your job, deliver, and then being, let's say, merely finance professional that's directed into giving the figures accuracy, completeness, well, everything that's related to what we expect as the basic contribution of a finance professional. Or the second path is using your finance skills to create actually value and to use them as not a goal, but rather a mean to help the company reach its objective. And this is where my mindset started to change as a becoming a finance business partner rather than a finance professional. And I did that during seven years in different business units, in different departments, uh, always trying to deliver as much value as I could. But then I noticed that I was maybe interested in sharing how I discovered this change of mindset discovering how I started to communicate better, how I started to improve my storytelling skills, improve my business partnering skills. And so this is why I decided to stop that and become a trainer. And I am specialized in financial storytelling. And why? Because during my time as a finance business partner, I created a methodology on my own because I didn't find anything on the market that could help a finance professional deliver financial storytelling presentations. And since I created that methodology for myself, and I noted that many people were struggling as I did at that time to deliver other type of presentation, not just sharing the slides, but creating a financial story behind the figures. I said, yeah, okay, let's let's try to to to, to share that knowledge. And uh, this is what I did first, uh, as simply sharing 
my thoughts on LinkedIn, on social networks. But then I decided to become a trainer and deliver this training methodology that I created to companies and also to individuals. And this is what I do today. Terrific. Yeah. So I'm curious to know if this is something you think is particularly affects finance people or is it across, you know, is it just that that's what you, uh, your focus was in? So you've picked on that, you know, it's always good to have a niche. So maybe that's it. But is it something that's common to everyone and just the inability to kind of get the message across with a story? I would say it's not limited to finance. It's more related to experts functions of a company. So people who are experts in an area and that have to treat data, their first mission is to make sure that the data is correct and the data is complete. So it's true that since it's our basic or our foundations of, of the work, we want it to be as complete as possible. But sometimes we mix what the foundations of our job are and what we deliver as a project. It, you clearly have to, to make it a parallel with pro the products you buy in a shop. You, you won't sell the raw products in a package. You will deliver a finalized product. And this is what we should do as experts. Our raw material is the data that we analyze. And then we have to deliver something that's finished. And this is tough to do for, especially for finance people, because we have another difficulty that other data people don't have is that the raw material is accounting. We start from accounting and we can enhance it with business drivers or other type of information, but the raw material is accounting. So that's another language. That's another jargon that we use ourselves to translate the business events into data. And this is an understandable by non-experts, non-finance people. So we have this accounting that's pretty complex, let's be honest as well. <laughs> it's, it's complex. You have many exceptions. You have many rules. You have your your local gap, you have your IFRS, you have US gap. So it's complex. It's quite extended. We have many types of accounts. You have this, this thing of double-sided booking that you have to think about when you are working with accounting. So this is why I said that getting a message across is common to all expert function, but the niche of finance is particular, and this is why I'm interesting in that, interested in that, is that we have the additional complexity of working with another language, accounting. Sure, yeah. And I guess finance people talking to other finance people, they're sort of familiar with that language. Do you think it's more important when you're talking to other people, or is it just as important talking to other people in finance? I would say that... The more you evolve in finance, the more it will be important not to remain in the financial jargon. Because when you work, for example, in FP&A, when you are a finance director, you will be more interested in the business events than in the financial information as such. For example, when you're preparing 
a forecast, you're preparing a budget, you will want your other finance colleague to have the same approach as yourself. They already live in their models the whole day. They live in their closing at the beginning of the month. They will not want during a presentation or a communication to be involved in yours because it's pretty industry specific, even business unit specific and department specific that not a lot of people will understand from their own perspective. So even if you are working with finance people and that you want to present your, the results of your work to finance people, it would be a good exercise for yourself and actually a sort of delivery for your finance colleague not to have to, to live in your own models. And that's why it's important to also use storytelling skills and communication skills uh, with your finance colleagues. Oh, okay. So, all right, let's let's look at how we go about that then. So what would you say, is, is there a sort of a structure that you like to use for um, converting a financial message, if you like, or, or a set of results? Because I guess there's a lot of detail often in, in financial results and or, or plans, forecasts and so on. So do you have a structure that you like to use for converting that into a story that's a bit more compelling and easy, you know, some, something that's uh, uh, easier to listen to perhaps? Well, um, I, I would say I have two types of structures that are depending on the type of audiences you have. So the first step you have to do is de define who you are going to talk to. Of course, you can go into detail and really have a one-to-one -one approach determining which people you will see and what they prefer. But to simplify it, let's say that you will have two types of people. You will have the executive and the expert. So to the expert, you will first have to convince them about the supporting elements you, you bring before bringing your conclusion. And it will be the contrary for executives who, by definition, don't have the time. They know their business. They have a common understanding of finance. So there you will directly want to jump to the conclusion and then enhance it with supporting elements. Why did you think that this conclusion was worth it? So in those cases, you will have those two approaches. Of course, you will have to start strong with a hook. Then the structure will, in one case, start with the conclusion, then the supporting elements. In the other cases, you will have first the supporting elements and then your conclusion. But what's more important, and that's the specific of a business presentation, and it's more especially a finance presentation, you will have the part in which you have the discussion about what you just presented. And this discussion will lead to decisions which you have to add value to with recommendations and options you bring. And your role as a finance professional will be to bring options that are strengthened by calculations of impact. So don't take the role of a consultant. That's not the goal. Uh, nobody likes finance to, to tell you what you have to do, but you bring options rather than that. And it's like a Chinese menu. 
you would say that if we do that, it will bring that much money. If we do that, we will save so much money. And so with that listing, with the explanations that go along, you will rather than a presentator, you will become a facilitator. And in this facilitation process, you will be a support to the executives who will take a, de a decision. And thanks to your knowledge about what you just presented, you will help them do that decision. A story normally, <laughs> if, you, if you just look at a, a storybook, then there's a, a start and there's a plot, there's an end. But what you're saying here sounds like, you know, you're not trying to get to the end. You're not trying to convince people of something necessarily or call, or recommend a course of action. But sometimes that may be what you want, want to do, but but really just to explore the, the options in a way that makes it um, easier for the group, the meeting or whatever to discuss. You do that. The only thing is that you have to understand that you are not in a one-to-many presentation. It's not a TED talk that you are presenting. It's not an academic presentation in which you are the only one to speak. Most of the case, most of the time, you will speak to an audience who are in a meeting with people who will dare asking you a question during your speech. And so it's a facilitation process more than a presentation. Of course, you will use a structure, like I said, when you, where you explain the, the, the big point before or after, according to the audience. But then in your options, in your recommendations, you have to make sure that each supporting elements will follow a structure. It's basically the what, so what, now what. So this three what structure will ensure that you have enough elements, not only to convince them, but also to help them to lead them to take actions. So the call to action is actually to in each element you will bring thanks to this three watt structure. Because if you only explain what happened, nobody will want to do anything. But what you do with the so what and now what is first telling them about the impact it has on, the, on their lives. So they are interested. This is the more emotional part of the presentation in finance. In most of the time, the impact will be their bonuses. So it's pretty easy to, to work as a, as a finance professional in that area. But then the now what will use your business partnering and your modeling skills to determine the long-term impact of what you just told them in your story. And so it will really depend on the structure that you use but most in most cases i use my supporting evidence moment and then i speak about the impact and only during the recommendation part i go with the now what in which i explain the next steps what are we going to do about it and the potential impacts they will have because of the decisions they will take yes yeah, so, so there's a central part so so first you look at your audience you decide whether you're going to make your main point at the beginning or sort of lead up to it and the body of the presentation would be the what then the so what then the now what okay and and what what is it you see people particularly in finance people when you start to train them what what is it that they're missing or where, where are they going wrong 
I discussed with many CFOs since I started this this journey, and we identified five main issues that finance professionals have. And the first one is the basic one. They do not have a big message when they go into a presentation, into a, a, a meeting, which means that when the audience goes out of the meeting, they don't have one big thing they have to remember. And that's an issue that's identified by many CFOs who are more used to have audiences with people who are busy, people who are in a hurry, and that they have to have one big idea coming out of a meeting. The second point is that it's not adapted to the audience. Most of the time, you have people who will present their PNL, which is by definition not known by 80% of the people they will have in front of them. They will use financial jargon like accrual or deferral or many words that people don't even know when they work every day. And the third point is that there's no use of a storytelling structure. We generally start with the deck that we are given when we start our jobs, which are more reports than a slide deck that we should use as a visual support during our presentations. So in that case, it will go like that. You show the total result and then you show the PL and then you show the cash flow for uh, the, the, the cash flow statement. And then if you have time, you show the balance sheet and then you go line by line and you explain everything. The thing is, when you take that perspective, you cannot really think about the, the big story behind while when you reverse the narrative and you concentrate on the business events rather than the structure of the financial statements you know, you will see that one business event will, will cover mostly, uh, more or less, 80% of the, 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 the lines you, sh you, you would have explained with your statements. Because by definition, accounting has an impact everywhere. So if you have an increase in sales, you will have the impact in the PL, in the revenue, but also in the cost of sales, also in the marketing expense mostly. And you will have an impact also on the accounts receivables, on the cash, etc. So instead of going from the finance towards the explanation, you take the explanation to finance. So that's the, the story I would rather advise people to do. The fourth point was about visuals, slides. I guess you've known that we receive slide decks of 40 slides, 50 slides, which are full of tables, full of graphs, full of text. And it's so complete, so full that you don't know where to look at. And if you start looking at, you start reading and you don't listen to the, to the guy who's in front of you explaining that. So the slides are the fourth main issue that are identified. And the fifth one is more accessory, but also important is the delivery of the presentation self. Because people do not practice, they do not train, they do not know how to speak to audiences. And so since they are not engaging and not convincing, well, people don't listen to them. They do something else. They are working on an email. They are working on something that it's not related to the presentation itself. And so you basically you lose your time and you lose everybody's time. 
as you as you do that. I said it's a bit accessory because in most companies, the big presentations will be led by the CFO, by the finance director. So like finance professionals or FP&A professionals don't always have the opportunity to present to big audiences. But my advice in that case would be to find an audience at your level. You don't have to expect to present to the exco, to the board, or to even to the biggest staff meetings. But you always have someone at your level who will be happy to have results delivered because if you make it interesting for them, they will surely make 30 minutes for you per month in their staff meeting. And then you will get the time to practice, but also to get visibility in your company. And thanks to this visibility, you will have the opportunity to grow and get higher audiences to finally become the go-to resource in finance. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the Forward Thinking CFO. Numeritas created this podcast as part of our mission to improve the way finance makes decisions. And I hope you find the conversations as useful and interesting as I do. We'd love to hear from you. Maybe you'd like to be a guest on the podcast or just talk privately about a forecasting or modelling challenge. Drop me a message through the contact form on our website at numeritas.co.uk and I'll get back to you. Now, back to the show. So there's a few things to pick up on there. One is slides. You mentioned slides. And uh, we all hear about death by PowerPoint. So what would you be your recommended approach there? You, first of all, it sounds like try to go for fewer slides but and try to go for less information on each slide. Or, or are, you, are you saying let's make the slides just have the big message and you deliver the, uh, the detail through, you know, through what you're saying? And then I guess as finance people, we probably want to see the figures to back it up. So is that, is that how you go about it? I have a good relationship with the PowerPoint, to, to be honest. I think that visuals really help you get the message across. Because one thing that you see, an image will tell more than a thousand words. And words will, will, that are explained will tell more than... 10,000 words in a mail and in slide. So you will need a visual helper in your presentation. And so you will use the slides. The thing with that by PowerPoint is that since PowerPoint is a pretty free tool, you will have so many opportunities to fill it up with information, with too many information, with graphs, with tables, with text. And so finally, it doesn't really remain a visual helper. It's a simple draft in which you put as much information as, as you can. And that's where the risk is of using PowerPoint, is that you don't use a Canva you don't use it as a visual helper, so you will simply document your information. But that's a report, and there's nothing wrong with sending a report, but that doesn't have to be the visual aid that you use during your presentation. So use PowerPoint. Actually, I use it quite often, and it's better to have a PowerPoint than not having it. But I also tell my students that you can present without PowerPoint, but a PowerPoint will not present itself. So you have to find a good balance between the two. If you have the opportunity, do it. But if you don't have the time, 
better go to the presentation without PowerPoint than spending 90% of your time preparing the slides and only 10% preparing yourself. It, it should be the other way around. Yeah, no, that's a really interesting point because, and actually, you know, we hear a, bit, a lot about it's recommended that you should automate things and people are worried about that, taking their jobs and so on. But uh, we've had a few guests on this podcast who said, you know, automation means that you can then spend less time doing the preparation of the numbers and more time analyzing them. And, and in your case, what I think you're saying is that spend that time yeah, working out how best to to present or what the message is that's in there and then how to present it and and practice that yeah yeah exactly uh my, my approach is even that one generally when you work with finance people they start with the slides and then only about preparing what they will say what i tell my my students i have a four step steps approach in my courses preparing slide is only the third step so before, it's about preparing what you will say and how you will say it. And then preparing the slide is only the third step on four steps. So it's the reverse of what we observe in many companies where the slide deck is the common deck that everybody uses every month, the same one with the same tables, with the same graphs. So it would take a bit of time in my approach, but the slide deck would Follow your story rather than the usual Canva you, you receive when you work in finance. That Canva is perfect for a report, but in my opinion, it's less intuitive when you go for a storytelling structure. And so you would have to adapt it the more efficient as possible. So don't spend your time writing a, a novel on your slides, but Try to make it a bit different every month so that people don't have this fatigue every month to see the same old tables, the same old graphs, and the same old titles. So, yeah, just varying it, I suppose, keeps it more interesting for one thing. And so do you recommend actually providing a report separately, maybe printed with the detail that, that you, you either give them maybe at the end of the meeting, stop them reading it during the meeting. And and you know, sort of uh, really the slides is more about let's look at what's important for us this month and, uh, and, and, and let's cover that properly. What I would recommend is I'm, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of sending pre-reads. As no, I saw report. this on LinkedIn. You've had a bit, <laughs> there's been a bit of a debate between you and is it uh, Nicholas Boucher, is it? Yeah, Nicholas Boucher. Uh, no, indeed, we, we, we have often this debate. I'm not the biggest fan because one of the most important elements in storytelling is not, I wouldn't say the surprise, but more the, the way you lead people towards the end goal, which is the decision they have to take. And I, kind of feel that sending a pre-ring would spoil the, that moment when you try to convince them. But also I have to admit that people don't want to be surprised. People don't want to be surprised in, in such a meeting, ex especially executives. So I have a two-way approach. First, it's a pre-alignment. When someone is going to look bad in a meeting because of the conclusions you have, you don't want them to discover during the meeting. That's common courtesy. You have to tell them before, even align with them before to make sure that you don't miss anything and that are, they know what to say. They know they will have certainly answers to give. 
So you want them to know. And the second thing is everybody in the meeting will need also to have the major information. And in that case, I'm not the one who will send the full slide deck to have too many information. I will send an executive summary. So you can send the slides together, but I don't want them to eat all the slides in once. I will just in a simple mail, in the same mail indeed, just some explanations, some bullet points about what they have to remember for, for this month so that they know where to focus. Because otherwise, you, you don't have the time in a meeting. If you have a slot in an exco, it will be like 30 minutes. You don't want to start the, the, the meeting with 30 questions about the, the, the 50 slides you sent the day before. You, you want to start strong with the message you want to give, with a great hook and the storytelling structure to lead to the discussion. And so starting with answering questions about the pre-read is first kind of annoying because you had that story in your mind. And secondly, let's be honest, only 10 or 20% of them read that before. So it will basically become a sort of discussion between two out of attendees in a meeting. And so you already lose the eight others. And that's kind of annoying. So make them know what they have to know. Pre-align with the people who will be under the fire in case your conclusions are bad for them. And then lead to the presentation and the discussion. Yeah, that's an interesting point that uh, if you send too much information, it's sort of going to overwhelm people. They won't read it beforehand. So then, and then there's a difference. In, in the level of understanding amongst the group. So, yeah. So um, all that said, and the presentation bit is is something we've not really talked much about. And presenting in front of a group of people is a big fear for many people, and particularly if you're something you're, you're not used to early on in your career. Um, so is that something you teach people as well about the actual sort of presentation skills? Have you got any tips there? Yeah, that's actually the fourth step of my four steps approach, which is, Prepare yourself, prepare to deliver the presentation. And I enhanced it with a lot of learnings that I got from uh, getting to give a TED talk, joining the Toastmasters. So about public speaking, body language, learning to engage with people in the audience to make sure that the presentation can be engaging and that people listen to you. So that's something I teach today. Thanks to the tips I give on body language, for example, like people don't know how to behave in front of an audience. They, they can feel not at ease or simply they don't know where to look at. So they will look to, to their slides and it becomes a sort of weather forecast presentation. It's not really engaging. And the, what I would just suggest to anyone because uh, there's a lot to to say about how to present better a lot of tips a lot of methodology but one thing that will definitely change the game for you is to practice practice before practice as many times as possible with people of your department people of other teams it only comes like that because it's an exercise that's not easy for anyone People feel more at ease than other, but it's not easy. You have to notice that public speaking is considered as one of the 
three first fears of people. They, 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 they fear spiders. They feel that public speaking is considered as one of the, 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 the biggest fear of human beings. So it doesn't go away like that. But the more you do that, the more at ease you will feel and the more you will enjoy actually that exercise. Yeah, I, I find just actually practicing out loud, even to myself, just, just you know, uh, to an empty room, just so that you actually speak the words out loud rather than you know, reading them through from in the page. Maybe ju just that physical act of speaking, I find, uh, helps you iron out a lot of the, the sort of things that you might words you might stumble over like i am now where i haven't rehearsed this particular question <laughs> you know so if you're if you're delivering a, a presentation where you know what the message is then just just actually rehearsing out loud i find is is quite a big thing but, uh, but you mentioned uh, toastmasters there so you you use that as a, a platform this is a group of people who get together and just essentially this is what what it's all about isn't it is speaking out loud to a group of people yeah yeah indeed that, that that's kind of fun because you, you meet other people. And uh, what I really like about that is how structured it is. For example, you start with, with, um, with, with simple, what they call table topics. So everybody receives a small topic and then you, you improvise a speech about those topics. It's like five minutes. And then you have the, the, the big presentations people prepared before. What I really like about the Toastmasters is that you get feedback and you give feedback. So it's all about improving everyone's self. You, you, you get there, you, you take the step to speak. And if you feel shy in the beginning, you can observe other people. And when other people will perform their speech, well, they will receive feedback. You will listen to those feedback. And finally, when you feel ready, you, you start presenting and then you will receive your own feedback. And it's just basically what I said, practicing. The more you practice, the better you will feel and the better you will feel, the more you will want to do it. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be in a work environment. You can, you can go and practice somewhere else where it's uh, a low risk environment. And, and actually, I guess everybody's supportive because they're all there for the same thing, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, uh, I'm also curious because you've got a huge following on LinkedIn of 60,000 people. I'm curious to know whether you are using the same sort of approaches there to, to, you know, to get messages across or is that just a completely different thing? <laughs> yeah, it certainly helps, especially on one point is that people attention span is pretty short and shorter every day. Like when you're on social networks, you have like, quarter of a second to, to, to make sure people would stop on your, uh, on your post because every social network is on the scrolling basis. So you have to make sure that you have a strong hook so that people will say, okay, he's got something to say and I will listen to him or read him. So yeah, it, it does help. I use also visuals, which I use my, in my presentations as well. And I deliver value and that's what people want from you. They expect it from you on LinkedIn, but also on other social networks and in presentations. They don't want this regular and boring presentation that you are used to every month with the same slides. They want change. They want something 
strong. They want something short. They want something that's easily digestible. And so you can apply these learnings to the world of the social networks like LinkedIn. Clearly. Yep. <laughs> Good to know it works there as well. Okay, so let's just have a little roundup then. Is, is, if there's uh, a few things that you think you'd like people to take away from this, main, main bullets, if you like, that will help people on their journey with uh, improving their communication. Have you got a sort of, uh, I don't know, top three or, or a few, few, few key, key messages you'd like to leave the listeners with? Well, the, the, the first one that I would like to, 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 to say is that it's not a buzzword storytelling. I, I know it's overused today. We use storytelling at all sources. Uh, you have that everywhere. Uh, people tell you about that in marketing, in sales, but here it's not the same. We use storytelling, but in finance, it's about still about delivering value. You don't want to sell anything. You don't want to, to deceive anyone in following you. It's the content will be the most important. But the thing is when your content is hidden, nobody will see it and nobody will know the value and the worth of your work. So it would be a shame to work so hard on making things good and making things correct and making things even valuable, but keep it in a computer, in a spreadsheet. So you have to communicate. And that's the second point is that it's, it's valuable for everyone. It's valuable for the audience because they have support in their decision-making process. It's valuable for the finance team because you will have a seat at the table and it's valuable for every finance professional because, as, as I said, you will have visibility, you, have, you will have credibility, and so you will have opportunities to grow inside a company. So the, the second thing is that everything, everybody will benefit from this storytelling mindset in finance. And the third thing is it's clearly one of the responsibilities of the CFO to do that. They know how to present generally. They are used to get presentations in boards, in excos. So they are used to present to internal and external people, but they have to cascade that mindset towards their team. Because if it's only limited to high audiences, the financial literacy in the whole company will not, not be spread. And so for every business case that will start, for every initiative that will start from the bottom, you will have a heavy process to make sure that profitability and other financial directed objective will not be respected. And so you will have a heavy process while when every team in the company has a finance business partner that can count on and understand that even in their more operational work, it has a financial impact. Well, every initiative will start from, is it worth investing time in it if it's not profitable? And so that's the third point I would say that CFOs have this responsibility to train their, the storytelling skills of their staff. Yeah. So develop it through the organization. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Very good. Well, there's a lot of stuff on your LinkedIn page. And I guess for people who wanting to contact you, that's probably a good place to start. Is that right? Or is there another way that, uh, is there other information? Is there other places they should look to find you? Yes, you can, co- you can contact me through LinkedIn or on my website, which is the, the financecircle.com. So this is where I put all my information, contact information, but also all the trainings I give to companies, but also to individuals. So I, there's a lot of information there, but of course I'm pretty much present on LinkedIn. So you can always send me a message, connect with me, follow me, and uh, I will answer as soon as possible. Okay, great. And I would recommend people take a look at that. There's a lot of good information there and uh, some of what you've just been talking about. If uh, if people want a reminder, that's a good place to look. So thank you, Sufjan, for appearing as a guest on the Forward Thinking CFO. It's been a pleasure having you. Thanks very much. Thank you for inviting me. That was a pleasure, Stephen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Forward Thinking CFO. If you enjoyed it, help us spread the word by subscribing on your favorite podcast app and sharing some of our LinkedIn posts promoting the podcast. You can find other episodes with show notes on our website at numeritas.co.uk, where there is a wealth of information about financial modeling, planning and analysis. Or give me a call to talk through whatever modeling challenge you are facing. Thanks for listening. 